Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brothers F Bookcast. Today, we are going to be talking about Bernice Bobs Her Hair, a short story by uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. So I guess uh, before kicking it off and giving a, uh, a summary on kind of what goes on in the story, I do have this uh, collection of short stories by F. Scott Fitzgerald that I found in my apartment lobby. And uh, before this story kind of, kind of kicks off, uh, Matthew J. Brucali, who put this collection together, kind of has a paragraph to, that gives some background. So uh, I'll, I'll kick off reading with that and then give a quick summary. All right, David, uh, Bernice. Fair use. <laughs> yes, this is the first time I'm reading it, so um, we'll we'll find out, I guess. This is the first time. Oh, I read the story. I didn't read this paragraph. Anyway. Why would you? Bernice Bob's Her Hair was Fitzgerald's fourth Saturday Evening Post story, May 1st, 1920, and provided the subject for the dust jacket illustration when it was collected in Flappers and Philosophers. It occupies an important position in the Fitzgerald canon as a witty early treatment of a characteristic subject that he would later examine more seriously the competition for social success and the determination with which his characters, especially young women, engage in it. The story was based on the detailed memo Fitzgerald wrote to his younger sister, Annabelle, advising her how to achieve popularity with boys. Quote, cultivate deliberate physical grace. End quote. Fitzgerald had some difficulty bringing Bernice to saleable form. He cut some 3,000 words and rewrote to inject a snappy climax. Wow. Anyway, so that's a little intro we have here. And I guess uh, to give a very quick summary before we dive in here, um, the story really centers around two characters, Bernice and her cousin Marjorie. Or, uh, yeah, Marjorie Harvey. And so Bernice is visiting her, Bernice is visiting her cousin uh, Marjorie. And it's very evident at the beginning that Bernice is just a social burden. She is just a burden on her cousin Marjorie, uh, specifically when it comes to Saturday night dances, Saturday night social events with boys. She's just clearly clueless. Bernice is clueless on how to talk to boys, whereas Marjorie is this very attractive girl who gathers attention. She has to take time out of her Saturday night dances to beg boys to go dance with her cousin. Um, you know, they get all excited thinking she's going to ask them to, to dance and she's really just asking them to have pity on her cousin, Bernice. Yeah, but Bernice anyway, is not an ugly girl. She's actually, all the boys think she's pretty pretty cute. It's just when they try to dance with her, she doesn't really, she's not entertaining. She's Yeah, she's socially awful. awkward. Yeah. Anyway, one, one evening, um, uh, Bernice kind of hears uh, Marjorie and her mom talking. And Marjorie's basically talking about exactly what I mentioned before, that she's such a burden. She needs to go. She has no idea how to talk to boys. She's killing her vibe. She's just uh, kind of ruining her summer. And little do they know that Bernice is kind of um, overhearing the whole conversation. So the next morning, um, she wakes up and she informs Marjorie and her mom that she's going to leave suddenly. And Marjorie just doesn't care. She's like, great, fantastic. I'm glad you're leaving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't want you here those anyway. Argue, those argument gambits where you're like, you know, I'm just going to leave. 
or like yeah. and yeah. she she had like the mental image that marjorie would be like no please i'm so sorry i don't leave i take it back but marjorie right. was like actually though all right leave go for it we we've, we've all done yeah that, right we're, we're, we're like we're bluffing and we, we just want someone to be like no that's crazy talk like but <laughs> you can't go back to wisconsin she's like no yeah you can probably catch a, a train pretty easily yeah it'll work out yeah she's like yeah there's there's a train leaving in a few hours <laughs> um <laughs> Which is a great yeah, move. I kind of like and, at the end of this. She's, she's like, yeah. Really and, you, um, like a total, no, I don't like Marjorie. You're, you're with Marjorie? No. No, I don't like Marjorie. I think she seems like a total snob. Well, you know what, you know what the story is, guys? It's, what? It, it's Mean Girls. That's <laughs> <laughs> Fitzgerald. This Mean Girl. This is totally it. Yeah. You could cast Lindsay Lohan in this thing. What's yeah. Mean Girls? Mean uh, Girls. My goodness, Juan Pablo. It's a movie that's like a, 2003 or 2004 with Lindsay Lohan about a... Uh, Lindsay Lohan basically plays a Bernice. Um, except not redheaded. Or whatever. You, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, Was Bernice redheaded? No. No, no. Uh, Lindsay Lohan, Lindsay Lohan is. Yeah. Oh. Well, you learn something new every day. Yeah, and I guess uh, to continue, I guess just finishing up uh, the the synopsis here. It's not a very long story. Uh, Marjorie's happy she's going to go, and Bernice eventually caves in. She wasn't actually planning on leaving, but they kind of come to an agreement. Marjorie will teach her everything she needs to know about talking to boys so that Bernice actually comes out with a lesson and she can kind of stop being a burden. So anyway, she teaches her to be... Coquettish. I had to use that word. Go for Coquettish. it. I, if I can cut in. Wait, that's not how you pronounce that. Coquettish, I think. Um, Coquettish. If, if I can cut in, she doesn't so much teach. Sorry. No, no, no uh, cut in, cut in, because it's like a big thing in the story. It is know? a very if, big thing if, in the story. You're not being cut in on, you're, you're not cool. <laughs> yeah, but they talk about that a lot, is that the, it's very trendy for a girl to have boys fighting over who gets to dance with her, to the point where they're cutting in, and they're like interrupting each other. Um and a large part of Bernice's uh, low social standing with boys is that none of the other boys are fighting for her dances. Um, and once they start to kind of cut in, that's when all the boys start coming after her. Um, but I, I, I uh, want to push back on Drew's characterization that Marjorie is teaching Bernice. It's more like she's orchestrating Bernice. She's like modeling Bernice like, like she would model Clay and telling her what to say and when to say it and like coaching her on step by step. Um, such that Bernice is sort of becoming like another voice of Marjorie's. Uh, yeah, Marjorie's like, uh, she's like Serrano de Bergerac. Oh, that thing where he's like telling the, it's the guy with the big nose, the right? Big nose guy, like handsome dude. Yeah. Um, Marjorie is working with Bernice as Michelangelo works with oils. That's like, a good way to put it. For real. She turns this girl who's a total, total, like, you know, dead fish into the hottest ticket in town. Marjorie does such a good job. And this is kind of taking us to the next phase of the synopsis that uh, Marjorie's beau, who she's been stringing along in a very uh, mean fashion for like a year now, Marjorie's beau actually starts falling for Bernice instead of Marjorie. Um, and that is too much for Marjorie. That's where she draws the line. Yeah. Well, and, and we should, we should 
probably state before that. One of the shallow lines she likes to use that 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 she that Bernice uses to get attention is, uh, "I'm gonna go bob my hair." I think I think it would be a, a great way to get attention, and she uses it with everyone that she's gonna go bob her hair, which I found out after consulting uh, with Perla is a type of haircut um, where you get your hair kind of short to like the shoulder yeah. length. You didn't, you didn't know Which I guess in the 20s would have been very scandalous, but I didn't know. I didn't know what Bob bobbing I had your hair meant. They would bob their hair. It's like a classic. I One time Anna dressed up, our little sister Anna dressed up as a Roaring 20s girl for Halloween. And she wore like a Bob wig. Um, yeah. And so that that's kind of key to the story because she she uses that line to get attention. And like, like Andres mentioned, Marjorie starts getting fed up when the guy, when the guy she's been stringing along since her youth, all of a sudden starts to fall for Bernice. And so, uh, cleverly, Marjorie, Marjorie kind of invites uh, Bernice to hang out with uh, with a bunch of the boys that they they've been uh, chatting with all summer. And um, she says, uh, she calls out Bernice. She's like, she's literally just been saying that Bob comment just to get attention. She's, uh, she's just been doing it to get attention. And so then uh, in an effort to call Marjorie's, well, Marjorie did that in an effort to call Bernice's bluff. And in an effort to call Bernice's bluff, um, Marjorie says, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. And it's fully expecting Marjorie to say, ah, oh, nah, you don't have to. But Marjorie then says, uh, yeah, go do it. So, um, Bernice goes ahead and uh, walks into the barbershop and says, my hair, bob it. And, uh, and it happens. She has to, she bobs her hair and she realizes she's been duped because once she bobs her hair, all the guys just don't want to pay attention to her anymore. And uh, they, they cease liking her. So um, to wrap up the story, uh, there was going to be a big party for both Marjorie and Bernice the next day, but, um, Marjorie's mom lets them know that she, she looks like an absolute flapper from the twenties. She can't attend in that type of a hairdo. So in the middle of the night, Bernice decides to pack up her bags, take the next train home. But before she takes the train, she walks into Marjorie's room, grabs both of her braids while she's asleep, not grabs, but just kind of picks them up, cuts them off and takes them with her and throws them in front of uh, Warren's house, the crush, and then goes home. And that's how the story ends. Yeah, it's an awesome ending. It's so it's triumphant. Sick. I uh, I didn't see it coming at all, and uh, and it's fantastic. If the story had been written in um, 2021, it would be called "Madison Gets a Tramp Stamp." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 it was definitely a pretty unexpected ending. Um, but I thought a pretty glorious one. Um, uh, but yeah, what what what'd you guys think about it? I yeah, I thought I thought one of the nice things about it was that uh, well, obvi- Marjorie played herself a little bit, right? Because she spent all this time bringing Bernice out of her shell, and Bernice is this totally flat, dull girl who doesn't really come up with many interesting ideas and many interesting things to say, and she's not very confident. But this final move is the move of like a totally confident, totally carefree, like you know screw you guys like she's just kind of doing her own doing her own thing and i thought that was that was like yeah it was pretty triumphant way for the story to end she's walking down the street in the middle of the night and she's like swinging the braids that she that she uh 
that you cut off. So I thought it was awesome. Yeah, definitely was. Um, he, 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 he's, this is great writing all the way through. There were a few lines that made me like laugh out loud. Uh, there was a bit at the end for sure when she's triumphantly swinging the braids. Uh, there was some one line in the middle, like talking about one of the, one of the, one of the flat kids who's, um, uh, really not fun to dance with. Marjorie has this complicated psychology about how, yes, most boys are not worth dancing with, but you kind of have to dance with the, the large majority of boring boys so that you are appropriate, like nice and alluring to the rest of them. Um, but anyways, there's one line she's dancing with this flat kid named Charlie. It says, Charlie, who knew as much about the psychology of women as he did about the mental states of Buddhist contemplatives, felt vaguely flattered. <laughs> <laughs> one of the lines of the thing, but it really taught. Do you guys remember F. Scott Fitzgerald being this funny? No. No. Another really funny line. Another really funny line when Bernice is dancing. So Bernice just, yeah, suddenly she gets all this attention. The guys are lining up to go with her. And the way that Marjorie coached her to, to be attractive was to say these like kind of, kind of mysterious, sometimes cryptic things that are pretty strange, pretty flirty, pretty playful. And, uh, one of the funny things is when she kind of miscalculates because her self-confidence is like flying upward. She's doing great at these dances. It says Bernice the next week was a revelation. So she's totally, totally crushing it. But then she does make a mistake because she did not know, for instance, that Draycott Dea was studying for the ministry. And so this guy cuts in on her and he's actually like an extremely proper guy. And, uh, and she makes this mistake and she delivers one of her lines about like bathing in preparation for the dance, which is like a pretty suggestive line. And it goes, it says, though Draycott Deo was in the throes of difficulties concerning baptism by immersion and might possibly have seen a connection, it must be admitted that he did not. <laughs> he considered feminine bathing an immoral subject and gave her some of his ideas on the depravity of modern society. So that's where Bernice kind of misplays it. Uh, in general, she's a master. You know, she's playing chess. It's clear, actually. This is a nice part of the story. The girls are all pay- playing chess, and the boys are playing checkers. Like, big time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting mind. because, uh, yeah, it go for it. Mind, and maybe this is something that should be thoroughly cut out, but I'm going to say it anyways. There's, like, Osama bin Laden went to, like, Canada back in his 20s. <laughs> he, apparently, he would go to parties, and he saw just, like, normal sort of loosey-goosey dancing, and he was like, this is ridiculous. This is absurd. This is immoral. The Western world must be stopped. And that's what radicalized him. So you imagine Draycott Dayo coming back from this with Bernice and being like, this is it. This is too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we might. So he becomes Osama Bin Laden. <laughs> All right. Um, Andrew, uh, Fran, you're the civil rights lawyer who uh, did Middle Eastern stuff at grad school so we're gonna leave it we're gonna that's a judgment call that you're gonna make friend <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. but it's interesting because I, I you know it's he actually wrote this um as i found out reading the the uh, paragraph to you guys like as advice for his sister on how to get along with uh with boys and so like i'm looking back now do you think um both Marjorie and Bernice together are like the perfect advice for um, for a sister. Because if 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 she's just Marjorie, then it's just kind of um, she's kind of shallow, 
Although she does call out Bernice. She does end up in last, getting her braids cut off. And then if she's Bernice, well, then she does have to end up getting her hair bobbed. So it's like, uh, I'm curious how, how this is advice for a sister besides the whole chess checkers dynamic, which is clearly going on. Well, let's let's say Pick together. Sorry, go on, puppy. I think together, um, they make like the perfect, like if they were like the same person, it would just be, it would be like no one would be able to like outthink them. They would just be, they would be at the top. No one would be able to like be like to outsmart their game. But then um, no, with um, with um, just separate separatized. They're not. It's not the same. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Why did that take me so long to say that sentence? It took me like a minute. <laughs> but I'm gonna disagree with you there. I don't think Bernice is really bringing anything to the table. Um, it's really just Marjorie, uh, through a mixture of pity and and being convinced, has decided to form form Bernice into what she needs to be. Um, I don't know. I guess we should we should think like, what is the advice that F. Scott Fitzgerald has put into here? Like, advice number one: be pretty, right? Bernice only pulls us off because she's attractive, right? And it, remember, she's she's unpopular despite her attractiveness. Um, advice number two: say mysterious, uh, slightly scandalous things to all the boys you meet. What else? I mean, I I would agree that like Bernice is kind of like just someone who gets molded, except for how the story ends, because it ends with Marjorie ending ending up hurt at the bottom you know with like, oh, her braids cut off yeah so that, that's the only thing that's why i was like all right is it, you would think it'd be marjorie you know just kind of the way she plays the social scene and i think that's probably his, his advice to his sister like play the social scene like um i guess that's uh th- the best way to put it like you know when you when you go to these events you know you you got to make the guys think and you gotta, you know, you have to dance with the boring ones to get the attention of the attractive ones. You have to say these cryptic things. You have to, I guess, put your attention. Your you have to bring attention onto yourself in the right ways. Um, yeah. There's another line. It was, I don't know what you guys it was think. like. Be really good at making yourself attractive in all these specific ways. I forget exact exact words such that you no longer care about how you look because you know that you look great. That's some, probably some other concrete advice. There's a nice line about charm where it's written that, or Marjorie tells Bernice that charm is what a girl has when she's not worried about things. And the more about her appearance that she's not worried, the more charm she has. I thought that was a pretty, uh, pretty tidy summary. I would also say one of the main takeaways, if F. Scott Fitzgerald is trying to give advice to his sister, it seems like one of the main takeaways is um, you got to play the game to win the game. And if you're going to play the game, you know, go all in. Because I think part of Bernice's problem that she's a little hesitant, you know, but then when she really commits, she wins. See, that's my point, Andrew. I think Marjorie is great at giving advice, but when you look at Marjorie, she's not like as big with the boys as a Bernice ends up being, you know what I mean? Or at least in my opinion, Bernice ends up being better. So I think Bernice is like the ultimate executor of Marjorie's advice. Well, remember, I don't think I don't think Bernice is better than Marjorie. I think just Bernice becomes actual competition for Marjorie. Um, what what was it when her when her guy starts falling for Bernice instead? Like F. Scott Fitzgerald gives us a little psychology going on. 
He says like half of it is him being attracted to those Marjorie sayings that have been channeled through Bernice, right? And half of it is that he's been strung on by this other girl so many times that he's he's just over it. Um, so I don't think she beats Marjorie in a meaningful way. I think it's just like I mean, at the end she does. Well, yes, at the end she certainly does. She definitely does. And because she stopped, and, and that's the thing. It's like the ending. Appearance, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's the thing for me. Like, if this is supposed to be advice, like, who wins? Because you could say it's Marjorie, but then she gets her braids cut off, and then you could say it's Bernice. Well, she had to bob her hair, so yeah. it's like maybe at that point the advice has stopped and just starts becoming a fun story, right? Uh, I doubt he. I doubt he was telling his little sister to bob her hair and then exact revenge on her social rivals. Dude, revenge stories are cool. They are. Would you do more revenge stories? Yeah. What if we wrote a revenge story? Well, I mean, who, who, like, who... I kind of want to take out revenge on people, some of which might be on this call, that, um... <laughs> Bobby, your that... revenge has always been meager at best. <laughs> that was a good line, Humpy. Continue. Thank you. Um... I've always wanted to take out revenge, and you know, if you can't do it in real life, because um, you might as well do it writing. As he cracks his knuckles. <laughs> yeah, revenge stories are cool. I'm with you, Fran. What about, what do you guys think? I didn't attend many dances when I was in middle school or high school or college, but uh what do you guys think of the dynamic of dances? These dances, I think if, if our dances looked more like these dances, I would have attended. They sound really cool. They do sound cool. And I don't think the dances, the few dances that I went to, maybe I maybe I was the Bernice of the in the room, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the pre-Bernice. I was just thinking uh, at lunch, it's like I was not picking up on these social dynamics, and maybe that means they didn't exist, or maybe that means I was really far behind, you know? Maybe maybe we were Charlie, what's his name? Charlie Pearson or something? Yeah. Um, and then Dracon Deo, you know, the two of us. <laughs> yeah, I see myself as a Dracon, actually. You know, just sort of looking down my nose at the whole thing. Um, no, I think I think definitely it's not there. Despite what I just said, it definitely wasn't there because nobody's actually dancing with each other in a meaningful way, right? People are dancing, sometimes they dance with each other. But it's not like, oh, let me pick you up and do, do a waltz with you or do some swing. Plus, th- there's this whole clear, like, social game, like... I don't know, like social chess that's going on, like that we alluded to before. Like it matters that you're getting cut into. It matters how many guys want to dance with you. It matters who you're dancing with. It matters what you say. Like there was clearly none of that. Like um, I was definitely not that elaborate when I went to uh, and the sweaty high school, middle school dash middle school dances. Yeah, well, it was not that elaborate. Couldn't be social dynamics at those dances because the music was so loud that you couldn't talk to anyone. That was a big objection I had, but I was told that that meant I was just a tremendous wet blanket. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. That's what I like to do. I like to talk to people, you know? I don't know. I don't even know what's going on in there. Yeah, the lights are off. The music's too loud. Like, um, so that was well, one. You know, to help you, I would have recommended, uh, Juancho, that you you told the girl, that you tell the girls you were going to go, you were considering bobbing your hair. Ah. Yeah. Really cool. <laughs> That's what I needed this whole time. A mystique, yeah. you know, aloofness. They wonder, wow, this man is just so wild. I have to learn more. Actually, at the end of high school, uh, in my group of friends, uh, two of us had a dare uh, about who would get a haircut later or who would break first in, a, in an effort to grow out our hair. 
And I did get a haircut that was sort of uh, attended by a group of people. So I did, I did have my little Bernice moment. But and got from you like highlighted your hair, right? <laughs> yeah. I highlighted my, I lost the bed and I highlighted my hair. That's what happened. It was bad. I, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've drawn, I've drawn the curtain of charity over that stage of my life. Mm, it was not your graduation, your high school graduation photos have forever been t- stripped out of photo albums. No, no, because I got a buzz cut right before my high school graduation to avoid. Oh, okay. Well, the photos leading up to your graduation, they've been, uh, they are no more. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So that was funny. Another thing that I liked about the, uh, another thing I liked about the story that I want to run by you guys was how he's kind of lazy in the telling of it. So, um, so when the story starts, he describes this country club. And it's almost like luxurious. I got the sense that it was like a plane circling an airport before it lands. Uh, he starts and you have no idea. I had no idea what the story was about. And uh, and he starts. Sorry, I'm just pulling it up here. And he says, after dark on Saturday night, one could stand on the first tee of the golf course and see the country club windows as a yellow expanse over a very black and wavy ocean. The waves of this ocean, so to speak, were the heads of many curious caddies, a few of the more ingenious chauffeurs, the golf professional's deaf sister, and there were usually several stray different waves who might have rolled inside had they so desired. This was the gallery. So he's describing the dance, but he's really taking his time in describing the dance. And I just thought that was kind of nice. That's a nice way to write a story. If I ever write a story, I want it to be like that. But people have a sense that the author really took really took their time in the writing of it. Yeah, it's funny because Andres and I actually... Uh did a podcast on another um, F. Scott Fitzgerald uh, short story called The Rich Boy. And he kind of starts it a similar way. Like the the first, like actually even more so, like it is like the first two paragraphs have like are abstract, philosophical, like what is a man? Start with a man, you get, you know, and then the rest of the, you know, 25, 30 page short story is like literally about someone's life. But like the first two paragraphs, we're like almost philosophical. So it's, it's interesting how this is tends to be a style. Yeah. And if, yeah. I, if I can pass judgment on that, I really think he thrives more in the meat of the story than in the sort of introductory philosophizing or overly poetic language. I almost, I don't know, maybe this is totally untrue, but I get the sense that he thrived on writing the meat of the story and then was like, oh, I need some sort of intro to get me there and started with these ideas of like, oh, the waves of caddies and people or... Or what is man? Start with man, you get a concept. Start with a concept, you get nothing. I think it's just too much. But I think it's really great when it comes to conversations and and getting in people's heads. Yeah, and it's interesting because one thing I did um, when we did our first short story on him, I did look up F. Scott Fitzgerald. And it's interesting because apparently like at the beginning of his life, he actually quite, or at the beginning of his writing career, he quite enjoyed writing short stories. Um, you know, one, it was a way for him to make a living. Um, and two, like, I, he, he apparently enjoyed them. And this was one of his earlier ones. And, and you can kind of tell he had fun writing this. And apparently as like, you know, he started getting a little more success, but still didn't have enough money to kind of, um, uh, you know, live off the success of his novels alone. He started really dreading short stories and hated them precisely for that reason, because it's, it's so hard to like, get so much action 
into 20, 25 pages. These had to be fit into magazines and everything. And so like it even said in the paragraph, he had to like cut this down by 3000 words and like completely like redo the sort of climax of the story just because um, he had to fit it into this format. So yeah. A, yeah. that astounds me, 3000 words. B, I kind of wish he kept them, you know? I really enjoyed those middle, those, those middle passages. And right. 3000 more words of that, I think would have been nice. I think would have been funny. TBH, I wish he had cut more. Oh, oh. <laughs> was it too long for you? Was it was it too many? Eleven pages, Quanti. I know no, it, just, it, been, it might have been a sixth grade reading level. I know that's a little much for you. Oh, stop! Um, it might no. I'm just in a cracky mood. I just got my seventh bloody nose this week. Is is F. Scott Fitzgerald not a not a good enough writer for you? Oh. <laughs> no, he's no plebeian. To, please, but, but, to to bring us back online. Uh, away from people who are being needlessly critical. Um, it's not needless, I like, it's true. I like to think of short stories as like a special operations mission. You have to get in, you have to you know accomplish the mission, and then you have to get out. And uh, and I think there's something to what you say, Andrew. I think he maybe doesn't, doesn't do the best job or the cleanest job getting in, but then he does a great job accomplishing the mission. And he does, I would say, I would call it a hot extract to use the lingo. Like he gets, he gets out of there in one sentence, but it's a great ending. So I liked it. It is, it is, it is a truly great ending. Um, so we'll give him that much. Yeah. And it's, it's also just like, a, it's a fun read. So, you know, obviously on this podcast, we do a lot of, you know, we do a bit of everything. Uh, we've done a lot of highbrow material as of late. So it was good to get something a little more on the lowbrow spectrum. I don't know what you guys think. I, I thought it was nice. To kind of take a break from uh from uh full lowbrow i mean it is still out scott fitzgerald but maybe what we- no i know but it's just it's it's a fun read it, it it's yeah, it's, just, it's, it's an easy how fancy yeah. would it be if it actually entertained me jesus <laughs> <laughs> no yeah we need to it gets t- it's tough to find a truly lowbrow short story but i'm gonna do it We'll pull up some it's gotta be up. like Western, you know. Um, Westerns can be highbrow. No, but one of those cheap paperback ones, you yeah. know. Apparently, Eisenhower, his favorite opening relax in a long day was to read really cheap, like dime novels about like wild west adventures. Yeah, it was like the Netflix of their day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nobody reads those books anymore. That's kind of sad. Yeah. I find it really endearing, though, is he'd be really stressed out about the fate of the Western world. And he'd be like, all right, let me just pull out these, like, you know, like Donnie, Donnie, uh, Donnie Draco and the Wild West Boys robbing a bank, you know? Yeah, whereas now he'd probably just watch The Crown or something. Yeah. Yeah, watch, watch The Crown on Netflix. Narcos or something, I don't know. Yeah, which is no better or worse. Yeah, not on Netflix. Netflix is a... Netflix what? is Netflix. That's a good word for Netflix. What do you say? Netflix is Netflix. That's a good word for Netflix. Oh. Netflix is a good word for yeah. Netflix? Yes, I was going to say, like, Netflix is iffy, but I was I was just going to say Netflix is Netflix. Oh, I get it. So oh. you were just saying Netflix is Netflix. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think uh, Juan Pablo has actually uh, uh, some some surprising news for us uh, about what we're going to be covering oh, uh, next week. So Three I think uh, we're all on the edge of our seats. Is the surprising news that he did the reading? 
It's <laughs> <laughs> not surprising, guys. It's ridiculous. I this but I will say someone who was reading this short story, during we were on the call while we were fixing our technical difficulties, is the person sitting to my left. Andrew. <laughs> no, Bunchel. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So the pod, the pod has gotten good reception amongst my high, among my high school friends, and uh, one of the things they said w- was that at the end of each episode, we should all try to figure out who didn't do the reading, <laughs> 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 which is so awesome. Okay, because uh, no, we too easy. We can make this a bit. Actually, we could randomly assign someone not to do the reading. <laughs> And then we could use a random number generator or something. There'd be a way to make it unknown, and then we could have to guess. Or we could just let people be lazy. But, but then we... we, no, I, then we I like this idea, and then like the guests have to find it out. I think, I think we should just randomly pick somebody as having contributed the least to the conversation. And so they not do no, no, I like this idea of, um, of the guests trying to figure out who didn't... No, and then them sending it in and being like, this guy's... And the first one we mentioned if they want us to... Um, nah, anyways, anyways. Uh, if the guests are so inclined, we won't stop it. But, Puppy, I thought you were going to call me out because I did. I was also doing the reading as we were fixing our technical difficulties. Oh, well, there's two people who didn't do the reading. And guess who did no, the reading? I did the reading. I just did it very late. It's fine. Yeah, okay. same, same This This short story... This short story made me miss my train stop this morning, so I'm a little mad at it. It was too good. I was too interested, and I passed right by 57th Station all the way back to, to the north side of Chicago. Kind of ruined my day for the first hour of it, but it was a sacrifice I make for the pod. Um, okay, well, so I'm glad it, it entertained you enough. Or are you guys also not going to read this one? <laughs> we all did the reading. <laughs> I did the reading myself, too. I read it yesterday. Very good, very good. What are we reading? What are we reading next next week? Okay, so we're gonna be reading the lottery by Shirley Jackson. Ooh. Tell us more about that, Humphrey. What's what's so that about? published in the New Yorker, June twenty sixth, nineteen forty eight, and that's it. You have you have you a photographic memory. About it. No, the lottery. It's uh... no. They're gonna find out. I'm just gonna give a quick blurb. No, it's considered to be one of the most important stories in the history of American literature. I mean, we all according to what we all read it in middle school. Yeah, I know we all read it in middle school. Maybe we were too young. I don't know. Tune in next week to find out, listeners. Um, Happy, I will not. I read it. Or I read it in eighth grade, so you should be fine. You know what? Have you read it already? Juan Pablo has not read it. I'm pretty sure. Have you read it? He, he read it. He's read it. No, I haven't read it. He has not read it. Um, they, they must have taken that off the reading list this year. Yeah, it's a little grim. I would say it's, 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 back, to, it's back to dark. Uh, we seem to cover a lot of dark in this. Uh... I read it right after um, reading, what's that one called? Where, um, shoot, what's the book called? Um, the, with like Piggy or I, I, Island of oh, the... Oh, Lord, uh, Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies, yeah. I, I read that one. This one right after reading Lord of the Flies. So, um, I guess. Wow. Uh, yeah. Who was your teacher? That's a better thing. Don't say any um, names. Oh, well, then I'm not going to tell you who my teacher was. Who's <laughs> <laughs> a great dude. He was. We'll he, talk about this. My teacher. But he had yeah. a great method of, or at least mine did. I'm assuming me and Diego had the same teacher. He had a great method. The wrestling coach? 
No, never mind. This is, I'm thinking of someone else. Oh, mine was the had a very good yeah. method of driving home the point of the lottery. And I'll talk more about that next week. Cool. Well, it's a great story. So tune in. Tune in next week. Oh, wait. We, we almost forgot. The Judgment Zone. Do, 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 do. Oh. Forget. What is the Judgment Zone? <laughs> oh. Oh. Do you have I guess. Because uh, I don't have anything to be judgy about. No, I just. I mean, I had to bring it up. I have lots to be judgy about. Andrew, what is that shirt you're wearing today? It's a normal. The t shirt. Normal. No, it's not a t-shirt. It's just complete. I can't believe you would show up to this in that t-shirt. It's very Steve Jobs. Ready? I cannot. I'm wearing this t-shirt because I was wearing this jacket over it. And if you wear something really, you know, aggressive, then it doesn't work. You know? They're the same color. Too much. No, no, no. I I can't believe you would put that little. If you had a more discerning color palette, Pompey, rather than just like colored and black and white, maybe you would notice that this is a gentle navy blue, and this is a much brighter uh, oceany gray. Jeez, I, I kind of regret bringing up the judgment <laughs> I'm <making> zone. Up. <laughs> we're, uh, we're also seeing you through a, through a flux computer screen, right? So all the, all the blue is uh, filtered out, which makes it a little hard. No, I was joking. I, 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 have, I have no defense for my, for, my, for my t-shirt color choices. Besides judgment zone, is, how's this? Yeah? How, how's this for judgment zone? Who has read something that is like so last week we talked about we we described different books different authors with different like dishes who who here has read the flaming hot cheetos of literature who's read something that's just like pure junk just please stop because flaming hot cheetos are amazing no hold on you have to caveat pure junk but you just can't get enough of it Pure, you. There you go. Pure John, you, you know what? Uh, the, the Flaming Hot Cheetos is actually a great story. It was a, uh, it's like a Mexican dude out of California. Grew up in a mm-hmm. park, I've heard it. Was working as a janitor. And the, 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 the management of, um, I think it was like Frito-Lay. I think the parent company was Frito-Lay. They, they said that we need, you know, they, they did one of those like bullshit uh, corporate things where like, we want input from everybody. If you have something to contribute or something to say to the company, we want to hear from you. And so this guy like actually believed them. And he decided that they were not targeting the Latino market enough. So he went home and he, he you know, he did the typical Mexican thing where he put like lime and chili powder on Cheetos and he made Cheetos. And so the next day he called the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> and he um, he was like, "Hey, I've I've got something to contribute. I got something to say." And, and they're like, "Well, like, who are you? Are you like, uh, are are you like a, a VP of marketing?" He's like, "No, I'm I'm in California." Oh, do you run the factory in California? No. Uh, well, what are you? It's like I'm a janitor. And they're like, "Okay, well, we'll get back to you." And the next day, they give him a call. So it's like, "All right, you're coming up. You're gonna give a presentation." So the guy comes up, he gives his presentation on Flaming Hot Cheetos. They love it. They tell him to. They tell him that he's not going to be a janitor anymore. They bring him on to the, to like you know the executive team. He's worth like twenty million bucks now. Oh, you love to hear it. I love this. I love this. This, wow. this guy, as someone who could chug a whole bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos, not actually chug a whole bag, years, but I do love him. Uh, I love this guy. If this guy's listening to the podcast, you're my man. Poppy, Poppy, no problem. I've seen, I'm not going to say I've seen it, but I, I could see in my mind's eye 
Pompey eat half a gallon of flaming hot Cheetos. This is insane. not no no that's too much. Stop. They're gonna <laughs> but, think I'm some sort of glutton. Pompey loves flaming hot Cheetos. I do like too. flaming hot Cheetos. Brand, that's an awesome story. I can eat maybe three, sometimes four, before I tap out. Not because of the oh, Mr. Heartbreak. He does. I don't want to die of heartbreak. The flavor, right? It's they're not actually. They're not actually flaming hot, right? They're not spicy. Yeah, it just tastes good. <laughs> They tried a bunch of different names for them. They tried smoldering hot Cheetos. They tried kinda hot Cheetos. <laughs> and they're like, and they're like, no, no. <laughs> then they were like, what about flaming hot? And they're like, okay. yeah, we could have. I, I was talking to some guys yesterday, and this is uh, this is tangential. They they were talking about a tweet they had once seen, and I don't know who to who to attribute this to, right? But the tweet was, we kind of underrate that the average person gets more nacho flavor out of a single Dorito than a caveman ever got for his entire life. (laughs) (laughs) The same can be said of the humble Flaming Hot Cheetos, you know? That's true. Well, I guess that's it, folks. Uh, No, 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 no. uh, Yeah, anyways, Shirley Jackson, the lottery next week. I look forward to it. Um, somebody don't do the reading and we'll find you. No, I, everyone do the reading. This, like this, this is a I bad idea. Know. Because oh we're going to get, we're going to get like four people who didn't do the reading. Maybe I won't do the reading. Do the Maybe reading. I'm feeling rebellious. Dude, uh, that'll do the reading. Back to eighth grade, not doing the reading and then pretending to have contributions. So you did, you haven't read the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have. I had a lot of scintillating contributions to the discussion back in April. In theory, he has read the on paper. It's spark notes. There's a big reader, scintillating. Um, but, uh, oh, also I want to resurrect something that we brought up a few weeks ago that we were talking about offline. I just want to keep it circulating. The idea of workshopping stories. Like, one day people submit stories and we workshop them or we workshop our own. I think that'd be really, that'd be a fun episode. A car talk style episode. I would have to be good enough at doing that, but yes, I, I think it would be fun. Just don't take my advice <laughs> <laughs> and, and you'll do the opposite of what I say. And uh, I, think, like I think it would be fine. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Peace. All right. Let's call it guys. All right. Hey everyone, this is Swamp, and I just wanted to make sure that you subscribe to The Brothers F on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you have Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, make sure to follow us there too. See you next time on The Brothers F.